0: at some point trying to find something to read. There was a Bible nearby. He started reading that Bible, but he wasn't ready to receive Jesus Christ. Just then, a nurse came as he was falling asleep and uh, woke him up, and the nurse said, I can see you reading your Bible. You must be a Christian. There is a, a young man who is dying in the other room, and he wants someone to pray for him. Oh. <laughs> After hesitating a while, he went there, held the young man's hand. The young man held tightly his hand, and he started praying. <clears throat> For the young man, when he said amen, the young man died. And this is how he recorded the incident. I dropped my knees and held the boy's hand in mine. In a few broken words, I confessed my sins and asked Christ to forgive me. I believed right there that he did forgive me. I then prayed earnestly for the boy. He became quiet and pressed my hand as I prayed and pleaded God's promises. When I arose from my knees, he was dead. A look of peace had come over his troubled face. And I cannot but believe that God, who used him to bring me to the Savior, used me to lead him to trust Christ's precious blood and find pardon. I hope to meet him in heaven. That's the person who sang that song. But the chorus is taken from Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Have you committed your life to the Savior? He is faithful to keep it safely until that day. I know whom I have believed in. That's quite a statement, brothers and sisters. To know Christ. (coughs) And the power of his resurrection. To know Christ. You see, repeatedly in the New Testament, you have this expression referring to the genuineness of our faith. It has to be genuine. Not fake. Not fantasy. It has to be genuine. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we bless you as we come together to reflect on your love and your grace and your mercy. And your divine guidance and protection, loving kindness, Lord, towards us. Yes. We want to exalt your name, Lord, and pray that, Lord, your Holy Spirit will help us, Lord. Yes. And as Pastor John, pray, will give us the clarity. Yes. For the Spirit we have received is of sound mind. Yes. Help us, Lord as we navigate through scriptures, Lord Almighty God, for you yourself to speak to your people individually. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was in a day like this one, on the 24th March, 1603 in this country. Queen Elizabeth died. I must say that I was a bit confused when I read Queen Elizabeth <coughs> the first. So I. I asked my kids, the first, who was Queen Mother then, Elizabeth? didn't get an answer, and just in the car park here, I called my expert. I've got an historian in my family, Joyce. She was just about to get in the church. I said, if you can answer this question, you've saved the family. (laughs) I said, Why wasn't the Queen Mother called Elizabeth the first? I don't understand. Because this one is the second. What's the answer? And she said, No, she wasn't the first. The first was the one who died in 1603. We all clapped in the car. (laughs) We all clapped for her and we blessed the Lord. And I said, stop there, I have the answer. (laughs) That's unbelievable. Anyway, so you know all this, you studied at school. I didn't. So she died in a day like this. Just a few hours after that, there was a trumpet in this country to announce the successor, King James the (laughs) Sixth. I knew you would say the first. He was already ruling in Scotland as King James the First. (laughs) And when he came here to succeed, he became the first and we are in 1603. There was a problem in the Church of England because the church was just recovering from a long and hard battle against Roman Catholicism. But then there was the Puritans who were determined to wipe out any remnants of Catholicism. So there was an issue which they brought before the king. The king called for a conference, big conference. Less than a year after he had come to the throne, he commissioned the translation of the Bible from ancient languages into English so that everybody could have access and read. And that has been instrumental in maintaining the standard and the quality of the English language because of that man. Here we are, we find ourselves wrestling against almost the same situation. But those things are not fiction, yeah. they are not fairy tale, they happen in this very country here. Yeah. Men and women who worked for the Lord, <laughs> who loved the Lord just as you do general fact, information, historical. I am persuaded that God is able. Now, the topic this morning is a radical faith, (coughs) spiritual lessons from Job. Hang on. I wanted to teach something easier. And I had a preference. I say it's the word of God. God will still lead. But no. God impressed on my heart this. And I thought... I would say I spoke to God from my heart. And I say, if I have to teach this, you will. I will have two requests. The first one, I would like to share, you to reveal to me, how and why the devil found himself In the presence of God, amongst the sons of God in heaven. Number two, can you reveal to us how the devil can use human beings, including believers, to attack other people? How is that possible? Unfortunately, I never got the answer. All I got is this rough compilation of random Bible verses from the book of Job, which you will find boring or exciting, maybe. But then I pray that as we navigate through all these things, may the Lord speak individually to you. Amen. So, this is what I call, I consider to be. A soft version of my intended topic. So you may see a disconnection between what I'll be talking about and this radical faith thing. Well, I say at least I can keep the title. (laughs) Job chapter 1, please. There was a man in the land of Oz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys and very large household so that, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day and would send an invite and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, thus Job did regularly. Verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered, my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his house, Round all that he has on every side, you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possession have increased in the lands. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the lords. Verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And the messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys feeding beside them, when the Sabaeans read them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servant with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 16. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burnt up the sheep, and the servant and consumed them, them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said The Chaldeans formed three bands, breaded the camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servant with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 18. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people. And they are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not, did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still he hold fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will surely curse you. Your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hands, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrub himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and I. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Amen. The reason we we read all this is because it's almost self explanatory. You know, it's the story, the lesson is there, we know what happened. We are privileged that something that is, we are always privileged that we're living on earth here. And we are made aware of things that are happening in heaven. We have it in the book of Revelation. We even sing songs that are sung in heaven. Our prayers here are ascending right in the presence of God. What a privilege. One day we will understand a very wealthy man, blameless, upright. We have all that is happening and we have all this series of disasters from supernatural origin but happening happening through natural means and ways. Now, What is happening here is the devil himself at work. What I mean is, quite often we speak of the devil, but brethren, when the devil walks, it's very serious. Well, we know that he has a a kingdom, you know, with all this small wicked spirit of jealousy and gossip, all those doing his work, but when he's involved himself, it's very serious. It's so serious that the observer needs discernment in understanding what is happening, Because everything that is happening there is natural. Natural. How can one think of the devil? It's just an adverse weather. That is killing, that is provoking floods. It's just a mentally ill ill person going into two mosques and shooting people. You know. It's just mad young people who are killing each other with knife. You know, it's just natural. You know, all we need is just to fix a little bit, you know, the child protection policy and everything will work. Mm-hmm. This event here happened in two rounds. You have the first rounds, possessions, children, servant, all in one day. But there is something here, which I call the key spiritual fact that makes the book relevant to us, amongst other things. It is what the enemy says. He says to God, you have made a hedge all around him. In other words, I have tried already so hard. I know him. I've tried so hard. But I couldn't because of you. But won't acknowledge the power of God. No. With that, he will, as usual, add a poison. It's because of his riches. It's because you've blessed him. Oh, the Lord will say, okay, that's fine. I'm going to isolate. Make that wall, that fortress ineffective, penetrable. Go ahead. The devil, you will notice that this, the text speaks of Satan. I have a preference for calling him the devil. It's a personal preference because I have noticed that nowadays people think Satan is fun. You find in America a church of Satan. But people don't like the devil. You know, when you say the devil, hey, hence my preference for that. What is the issue? What is the problem here? Well, scholars and many people have defined this book as discussing the problem of suffering and pain. I think the problem is sin. The book is discussing sin is the problem here. Because what the devil really wants is not just suffering. He doesn't even want Job to die. It is Job's wife who is saying curse and die. He just wants Job to to hurt God, to sin. That's all, and that's the whole issue. Dear brethren, the problem with humankind is not ignorance, it's not poverty, it's sin. And that's the reason why Jesus Christ came to take away the sin of the world, and you see that fact is really carefully hidden from people including part of the church it's all about money and vain glory human exaltation sin no a colleague went to preach in a church as soon as he mentioned sin everybody was coughing including the pastor too negative It's not in the dictionary of that church anymore. Sin is the problem. In all this, well, it's a very short sentence. In all this, what all this? What are the things we've described here? All the things that have happened to Job. The Bible calls that all this. Now, I'm challenging ourselves here. What is your all this? Can you match Job? If yes, that's fine. If no, that's fine. But we should not sin against God in that situation. Whatever is happening to us, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we should not sin against God. No charge God of wrong. we want by the grace of God, after going through that, for God to say, in all this, you did not sin against me. Now charge me of wrong. It is very easy. It is an easy option to charge God, especially when we lose relatives and beloved ones, I've heard many people including Christians when mourning their relatives and loved ones saying, why me to God? God, that is not fair. Let's be careful with what we say when we go through tough time. This man fell on his knees and <coughs> worshipped What kind of worship do you think that was in that situation? One may argue that he was strong up to a certain point, but to lose 10 children in one day, all this event happened on the same day from the text. While one is still speaking, another one comes with a report, another one comes in one day. And then his health is attacked. Notice what the devil is telling God. Skin for skin. Human beings will do anything to save their lives. Remember he's talking about health? The devil knows that. We speak of alternative medicines these days. A lot of health issues. And people are prepared to sacrifice their souls for the sake of healings. With yoga being on the top of the list admit as a proven, tested, medical approach in the NHS, pain management. Some Christians don't see an issue with that. Because of anxiety, because of this, because uh, you know, yoga is supposed to harmonize energy and bring inner peace, and, and then it will spread across the world. We have this global peace, and then the whole universe will be harmonized. And we, are the reality seems to be different. Ever more sophisticated weapons. I don't see when that global peace will come. Anxiety. What does the Bible says? Be anxious of nothing. But in all things. In the multitude of my anxiety within me. Your comfort delight my soul. Psalm 94 verse 19. He restores my soul. Because that's what the devil attacks Once he succeeds to bring trouble in our souls, then something is open. Then he takes advantage. It's very, very important that we understand that the Lord has provided the word of God. Not just the word of God, but the Holy Spirit to be with us, in us he's called the comforter to bring the word of God and his consolation to life on a practical level the word of God is living is living able to divide between soul and spirit God can do that so it's very, very important that we stand on the word of God, that we trust the Lord, that we know him more, that we go deeper with the Lord day by day. The Lord God is willing to do that. He's willing to reveal himself more to us. He is faithful. You see, when you read the book of Job, it depends. On who is reading and from which perspective. If an atheist was reading this, they will be thinking of stoicism. Stoicism. I know, even in the Christian circle now, many people like using the, the adjective stoics, be stoics. Well, being Stoics is not being faithful. It's something completely different. Stoicism is a philosophy that was invented by a man called Zeno in the year 300, 330 and BC, I meant. That philosophy means you should not lament, you should not complain, you should be strong in yourself to overcome any situation that is coming you see that's completely different from what is happening here i know my redeemer lives though he slay me yet i will still defend my cause before him he will become my salvation. That is not just stoicism. That is called faith. Faith is different from stoicism. Stoicism looked inside. The Christian faith looked to God. Dear brethren, this is not just an ordinary wall that the Lord has built. This is a fortress. Fortress. I found in the Bible at least four times the word fortress is always used with rock. It's my rock and my fortress. Or my refuge and my fortress. That's something really, really solid the Lord has built around you and me. Maybe, we will consider a little bit more that protection now that is the devil talking. Should I say that again? Maybe we will trust a bit more God's protection now that the enemy himself is saying that what he finds around us. Will we trust God? The Lord is protecting his people. If it depended on the enemy, we wouldn't even be here. All by grace. The Lord God, day and night, working mightily to protect his children. The angel of the Lord encamped around those who fear him. Countless promises. And the Lord say I am with you. To the end of this age. We should trust God. It's okay. The Lord never promised an easy ride. We are engaged in a battle. And we have to be aware of that. Fighting the good fight of faith. We say that our fight is no longer a fight for good. It's a fight against evil. We know what is good. We have the Holy Spirit. Our fight is no longer a fight to obey God. Is a fight against obedience. Because God has provided. It's a fight against evil. For you see what the devil has done? He has confused the definition of evil and good, twisted and reversed it. In a way that people begin to call good evil and evil good. We're in trouble. The problem is no longer doing good. It's not about good or evil, it's identifying the two entities. Yes. I learned last week how the police read in a church, authorized church in China. And just on the wall there was the ten there were the ten commandments written there. And the police said, Remove the first because the President does not like it. Believers say, but we, we can't. We can't remove the They say, now the president say, it is offending. Remove the first. They say, we would rather remove all of them. And they remove all of them. How long do we have before those things begin to happen everywhere? How long do we have before everything from the Bible become offending? Doesn't the Bible say people will be easily offended? The Lord God cares for His own and protect them. The angel of the Lord encamp around those who fear Him, and He delivers them. Though many are the afflictions of the righteous, says the Bible, the Lord delivers him out of them all. In fr- in French is um, often versus always. Le malheur atteint souvent le juste, mais l'éternel l'en délivre toujours. So bad things often strike the righteous, but the Lord delivers them always. That's how it's translated. The Lord is good. Dear friends, If you were observing this situation here, seeing all these things happening in one day, what would you think about your brethren, your brother or sister? Like Bildad, Eliphaz, Zophar, Because it's common when something really bad happens, you know, commonly speaking, there is a direct link between pain, punishment, and sin. So this friend of Job here allocate about 25 or 26 chapters of wasteful and unnecessary conversation. Trying to persuade him that he has sinned. And because he keeps on defending himself, because he doesn't seem to see that, and now they, they tell him, okay, that's great, but, you know, examine yourself. There must be a hidden sin. At that point, Job softens his position. At that point And declares. Okay, I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. But even if that was the case, I will still defend my cause before God. Radical faith. Knowing God. You see, Abraham knew God, he came from Chaldea. They were sacrificing children. And here he is, and God is telling him, give me your son. Sacrifice your son. Wow. But, you know, you you don't like this, God. This is not your character. He's about to sacrifice. The Lord stops him and says, I know now, until we get to the New Testament, we can understand what was going on in Abraham's mind. And the Bible reveals Abraham believed that God is mighty, powerful, able to raise the dead. He's made a promise to bless me, to give me a descendants. He's given me this one in my old age. If he's asking that he's able to bring him back, those people knew God. Paul said, I know whom I have believed in. Brethren, Let's remain steadfast, immovable, on the rock, on Jesus Christ. Not being tossed to and from. Is Jesus really God? Wait, that's past. The Holy Spirit testifies in our hearts who Jesus is. We see him in the book of Revelation. We see his might in our life. Didn't he save us? Who could? Only God is called the savior. Are we going to be affected by skepticism? High criticism? Human definition of God they have created themselves? Or are we going to stand on the rock? Rock of ages. Rock of our salvation. Our salvation is secured. Our life is secured in God. In Christ, in God. And one day, not only we will see him as he really is, we will be made like him. We will truly understand everything. We will bow down before him for eternity to bless him. Maybe better than we do now. So be strengthened in his might. We know the devil is working tirelessly to cause pain. Should I say this? Is God the author of suffering and sickness? The answer is no. God is not the author of suffering and sickness. Though the Lord may allow those things, that's not what God created. We created this world as we see today because of disobedience and the fall. And the devil is taking advantage, he's doing that. And we're doing even more, more, more everything. And we're blaming God. This is not the world God created. Everything was perfect and very good. But God is in charge. So, Satan failed to achieve his purpose and God was vindicated. We've said that already. From chapter 3 to chapter 31, you have this wasteful and time-consuming conversation when people are convincing Job that he's paying for his sin. Well, all these three characters here, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they are a combination of human reasoning. They are a combination of religiosity, traditions, because they're trying to force on Job their understanding the surrounding understanding of how things work but this book here is a revolution God is bringing something that that is not the case so if you're sitting here this morning you fear the Lord you shun evil and you're going through certain tricky situations, etc. and you're having this type of comforters who will add more sorrow to what you're going on to, in condemning you even more, I think it's wiser to turn to the God. He's the excellent counselor. And when the Lord God enters in the conversation and he speaks to Job, there's only one way out. Job repents. Understands, prays for his friends, and he is restored. So they've wasted all this time arguing about what is happening. We do that. It's wasteful. It is painful. Everyone coming with his own interpretation of what is happening to me. Why don't start with God? Why don't start with God? We believe God exists. He who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And He is the reward of those who diligently seek Him. God exists. But you see what is happening in this world. From this account here, we know the devil exists. People find it less guilty to deny the existence of the devil. It is a reversed way to deny the existence of God. Because God tells us here that the devil exists exist. And the devil is quite happy with that game because it makes it him easy. It makes it easier for him to have grip on people who don't believe that he exists. The Bible says we know. We know that. We know that we are of God. But we also know that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked the whole world yeah. the whole world right. in Acts chapter 26 verse 17 to 18 Paul says the Lord God had called him to preach the gospel so that people will turn, will pass from the power of darkness of the devil to the power of God mm-hmm. people are under the power of the devil What is that power? Sin. I used to say the head of the devil is death and the brain of death is sin. Therefore the brain of the devil is sin. The gate of the Hades and that what the Lord is at war against through you and me upholding the holiness of God living the life of God glorifying the Lord God through your sanctified life to demonstrate like a job that is not depending on the circumstances but on God himself Oh, I'm at the end. We're doing, we're doing well. I was very scared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what else? If you, were found, if you find yourself in this situation, a good friend of you comes to see you and says this. I'm quoting Eliphaz. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for He bruises, but He binds up; He wounds, but He heals. Make His hand make whole. Huh? And then all of them together say to him, "You know, behold, this we have searched out. So the things we're telling you." We have evidence, you have to accept it. There's no other explanation, human arrogance. Beware of, as Job called them, miserable comforters. Beware of worthless physicians, that's how Job calls them. Everyone is playing wise person, wisdom. You know, when you go through, I want to pray for you. I think it's the generational curse and this and that, so many things. Beware of Job's comforters. And there are quite a few. Then comes Elihu. Elihu comes. The young man. He <sighs> listens to them very carefully. I'm now in chapter 13. 31, we've done quite well. We're in chapter 31. He comes and he rebukes Job for self-justifying himself. But he also rebukes his three friends for not providing a real and godly answer to Job. Job. So let's be very, very careful From whichever side we find ourselves, either in a position of comforting person, someone, or in Job's position. Let's make sure that we seek the Lord God to discern what is happening. If there is one thing you're going to keep from this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14, if you forget it, just say Ecclesiastes 7 times 2 seven fourteen. In the days of blessing and happiness, great, rejoice, bless God, that's okay. But in the days of adversity, think, consider, take time to think before God. Ecclesiastes seven verse fourteen. You see, Job is uh, a normal human being, just like you and me. He has this internal struggle. Job is saying, should I put on a smiling face? Why the problem remains there? Should I do that? It doesn't make sense. I can't pretend. And the Lord God is not asking us to pretend. We have the right to be sad While still maintaining the joy of the Lord as our strength, (laughs) Hannah was sad. Just in case we've forgotten, Jesus wept. Wept. Should I say again? Jesus wept. It's not sin. We are humans. But we just need to be careful when we find ourselves in that situation because it's very, very easy we're not far from sinning. The border is very thin if we find ourselves in that situation. We are allowed to cry before God. We are allowed to defend our cause before God. There is a trap sometimes when some people fix, they are so strong. I'm talking from my experience because I've seen and heard people who condemned mourning people who were going through tough situations because they thought they are in charge of their situation. Charles Spurgeon said, A tender heart will make it easy to feel the touch of the hand of God. We become sensitive if we find ourselves in that position. But if we artificially make ourselves rocky people, then we deceive ourselves. Job said, should I put on a sad, a smiling face? What about all this suffering?" It won't work. It's a disconnection. That hypocrisy, that bravery. Seemingly, a contrite heart, a broken heart, contrite spirit before God. I had the privilege to talk with a, a multi-faith chaplain in Canary Wharf for two hours. <coughs> I was sent to help them with the charity finance stuff and we found ourselves around the coffee and the talking. She is very, very knowledgeable. And I asked her, so as a multi-faith chaplain, 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 how do you do it? Because I've seen on the website Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist, and this and that, and you. How do you you are a Christian, how do you do it? She says, we have one secret. It's the quiet prayer. When we get in the room, we just keep quiet and we have a timing. After that, we can have coffee and chat about the charity. And I say, but you are a Christian. She said, no. No. The key principle is to avoid offending others. I said, but but the gospel is offending. And she said this, and I want to see what you think about this. She said, I know the gospel is offending, but nowadays Christians are more offending than the gospel itself. What do you think? <laughs> the Lord God is sovereign, He's powerful, He's wise. I want to read one verse quickly with you here, which I pick from the discourse of Eli Hugh, if, that, if that's how we pronounce his name. Because he reveals very, very, very spiritual truth. The first one in chapter 32. Chapter 32, verse 8 but there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. In another version it says, in a man, is the this, this spirit of God, the breath of God that gives intelligence. So we are not just animals. God created us. And he breathed into our nostrils. He created in his own image. Therefore, we are all accountable to him because of what Adam and Eve did. Hence the need for a savior for all Adam's descendants. Number two. 33, verse... 14, for God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon man, while slumbering on the bed. Great truth. Can be politically incorrect, but God speaks. Supernaturally, God speaks. Here it says in many ways. We don't perceive, we're too busy, we don't want to listen to God, we're just doing our own things. And specifically in this passage here, it says God even speaks through vision and dreams. Why? Now you can link this with the one I've just read before. 32 Verse 8. Because we have a spirit, God is a spirit, he can communicate with us. When we sleep, the spirit is not sleeping. We advise believers to be careful, repent, put right things with God and commit the night and the sleep unto the Lord. It's important. Because the devil walks. He knows this truth as well. And walks in disturbing. The Bible says, I will both lay down and sleep for you alone give me safety when I sleep. That's the truth for the believers. You have God, Shalom, after the hardship of the day, pray God and sleep and sleep well. And sleep well, undisturbingly, because God watches over you. I went to sleep, I work for you sustain me. That is in the morning. If you are being troubled, Pray God. Don't give in with fake hood. It's just a nightmare. It's okay. You're supposed to rest. Rest your body and wake up refreshed in the morning by God. God speaks in many ways. I think that's enough for today. More than enough. Because spiritual lessons from the book of Job are ever more relevant to us today, let's close by listening to the New Testament. Turn with me, please, to James chapter chapter 5 and verse 11. James 5, 11. We've been sitting for some time now. Should we stand up and read this together as an encouragement for each one of us to conclude what we've just read? Please. James chapter 5. Shall we read from verse 8 to 11? All of us, shall we? Please. You also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophet, who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Amen. Please sit, be seated. The Lord restored Job in the end, gave him as twice as what he had before. lived another 140 years, full of days and died in peace. That was the purpose, the end intended by God. And the Lord says, "Consider the end intended by God in Job's life. Let's pray. <clears throat> Help me then in every tribulation, so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith, sweet consolation offered with me, offered me within thy holy words. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, here to take us from the Father's hands. One by one, the days, the moment fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Every day, the Lord himself is near me, with a special mercy for each hour. The protection of his child And treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. Lord, we thank you. And we commit, Lord, each and every one of us unto your holy hands. Raise us up, Lord, in whichever situation we find ourselves even now. We pray that, Lord, we will realize and feel the grace of God and his love. Be strengthened from within by your might and your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for having made the hedge around us from every side. Blessed be your name, Lord. We commit our families, every family represented here. We commit our children unto your holy hand, O oh Lord God, that you deliver them, Lord, from the works of the <coughs> enemy from the flaming arrows of the enemies, from the fiery darts of the enemies, oh Lord. Lord, we thank you. And we pray that, Lord, you will continue to lead us according to your will and purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.